You know what I mean? Like you're, you're constant here that we can get our bearings off, you know, because you're, you're here. You know, like, man, 37 years is awesome. And, you know, it's, um, it reminds me of our G300, the men's group we had, life for Jesus, Jesus for life, you know. And, and that's, that's how I see it. Is once you're marked by the, by the light of Christ, man, that's it. You know, you will never find your true fulfillment anywhere else, anywhere else outside of God. Um, I love what Matt did in the, Pastor Matt did in the music, you know, because here's the thing about it. It says that David danced with all his might. He worshipped with all his might. But it also said that he encouraged himself in the Lord. We've got to encourage ourselves in God sometimes. You know, sometimes I walk through that door and I'm like this. I've got to shake that off, man. I've got to shake that off. It's like going to the gym. You know, you go to the gym, you don't feel like it, but you still got to, yeah, you start exercising and then it all sort of falls into place. It's the same with us. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Just, just for a couple of minutes, just go and say hello to someone that you haven't, haven't met or, 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 or you haven't seen for a while and just have a little chat amongst yourselves, eh? <clears throat> yeah. Thank you, Father God, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Just feel that would be nice just to hey, have a little chat first. Okay. Now, now I've got to try and herd the cats back, Matt. Hey. Okay. Thank you, Father God. Lord, we just give you thanks and praise, Lord God, that you are almighty. Lord, we thank you that we've worshipped you and we've honoured you and we've exalted you today, Father God, Lord. I thank you that your, your Holy Spirit hovers over this house, Lord God, ready to be activated by your word into our lives, Father God, Lord. And we give you all the honor and all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. amen, amen. My message is called Impact and Influence. Yeah, or it was going to be Encounter and Effect, but they're both sort of the same thing. But what prompted me around that was the seven mountains of influence. Really enjoyed that. You know, and those are mountains of influence that we should have influence in. Those are the mountains that, that, that impact our lives and that we should have influence for. And I thought it was really cool, you know, looking at family, business, education, arts, religion, government, media. You know, all those, every single person here is influential in probably multiple of those silos. You know, um, Ken, your art. Your art speaks to people without even a word being said, bro. You see that and it's almost like, and I'm not an art lover, bro, but when I see your pieces, bro, it's like, whew, there's something more to it, eh? You know what I mean? It's art. Businesses, we've got businesses that impact this whole uh, region, you know? We've got families here that impact this, this area, you know? Um, media, you know, you're influential on media. I've seen you on Facebook. Oh, yeah, got a lot to say. Lots to say. Hey. But the thing about it is that we should be people of impact and influence, but we need to be impacted first. We need to be impacted and influenced first. You know, I love the Word of God. Absolutely love the Word of God. I, 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 I love preaching the Word of God. I, I, I never take this lightly. I'm always grateful for every opportunity. You know, Pastor Robert and Pastor Don saw something in me that I didn't see at the time. I, I couldn't even speak in public when I first came to church. Like, I struggled to speak in public, man. You know, I mean, pretty much the extent of my public speaking in those days was um, I'd stand in front of a crowd and go, uh, <clears throat> not guilty, uh, Your Honour. <laughs> you know, and, and that was it. 
That was my experience of public speaking, you know, and I would dread it. But God saw something in me, and you know what? When God gives you a gift, he will create an opportunity for you. It says, God makes room for a man's gift. So I love the word, man. You know, one of our values in this church is is people of the word, life-changing word. People of the word, life-changing word, man. You know, when I first heard the word of God, man, the impact that it had on me, man, was outstanding. It was it was far beyond words. The impact that I first had was bang. And I'll tell you something about it too. Impact, okay? Impact is the action of one thing coming into contact with another. When the word of God came into contact with me and my spirit, when my spirit came into contact with the word of God, wow. Changed my whole life. Changed not just everything about my life, it, it, it changed the legacy of my life. It changed not just my life, but it changed the legacy, which is all my kids and my mokos and every generation to come. And there's things that I'm putting in place for my legacy that will outlive me, that will still be in effect when I'm gone, beyond my life. That's the sort of impact I want to have. You know, the, when I got impacted by the word, it was the, it, it, that was the initial contact. And I remember, man, it, it, it hit me in every sense. It hit me in my mind, blew my mind. Hit me in my spirit, because it was like something jumping and down. Hit me in my body, because my heart was pounding and my hands were sweating. Just affected me everywhere. And then what happened from that impact was that, that I was influenced by that impact. I was influenced by influence, hey, okay, is to affect, shape and develop or change the character behavior or perception of someone or something. That's influence. Do you know that we all have influence? We're influencing every day, whether we know it or not. We are influencing every single day. You know, character is another value of this church, foundations for success. You know, and it's, to me, I didn't learn anything. I didn't come away knowing anything more about God that day. I didn't come away with all the theory in the world, I came away with a revelation that I had a need for Jesus Christ and that he was the only one that could do it for me. That was the revelation. Changed my whole world. Changed my whole world, man. Because all of a sudden, it was revealed to me. I had a need. I had a need. I used to walk down the street sometimes when I was young and I used to have this feeling in me and it would come on me maybe every six months or something, I'd be walking down the street and I'd be like, like I'd forgotten something? And I'd be like, I'm meant to be doing something. I'm, I'm, I'm meant to be doing something. I'm, I had this feeling, that, but I could never, ever get to what it was, ever. And this went on for years and years and years. And I didn't even realise until I got saved that that never happened again. And it was that need. I had that need and that desire. It just hadn't been revealed to me. And I was looking for it in all the, all the wrong places. I was trying to fill myself in that need with empty things. And it was never, never enough. And then one touch from Jesus, one word from God, one touch from Jesus, man, bang, changed my whole world around. But that's because I was ready. I was ready to receive. I want to use a word, a scripture here. Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. 
piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, i.e. the mind, spirit, and the body, and the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know, it's living. I used to look at that word and go, it's alive. You know, it's living. It's alive. You know, it's, it's, it, it's, it comes to life when it impacts our life. It comes to life when it impacts us and it influences us so that we start living the word of God. You know, you may be the first word that any person reads. You may be the first word of God that anyone reads. It could be you. You know, I know that was the same with me. What, what really got me was I, I was influenced by a Christian man who was just a powerhouse, just an absolute powerhouse. Funny enough, though, in the physical, he didn't, there was nothing about him that really should have drawn me to him. We, hey, we didn't like, like we, we were different things, he was different, totally different, but something drew me, drew me to him, and it was his spirit. It influenced me. It impacted me. It, it, it was alive in his life. He wasn't just speaking scriptures out. He wasn't just giving me advice. He was living it, man. He walked it out with me. And, um, you know, he went through a lot of, lot of rough stuff with me. But he stuck with me. And his influence to this day, hang on, I was just going to take this, um, to <laughs> just talk amongst yourselves again. Now, that's my daughter, Tia Brown. She should know better. I'm in church. I might need to text her, Pastor Roman. Um, but, yeah, it, you know, it comes to life. The word comes to life when we let it influence our lives. It starts with us. It starts with us. And, you know, being impacted and allowing our relationship with Jesus Christ to influence people. Because let's be honest, man, we've all come across Christians that maybe you look at and, and, and the influence is probably leaving a bad impression. Let's just say that. Hey, I've come across a few people. Not using the word the right way. We'll get to that. But like I said, we may be the first word that people see. The living word of God in us. We could be the first people. You know, I'd never been to church in my life. Well, I'd been to funerals and I'd been to a... And I went to one Catholic church, sorry, when I was about 11 with my auntie. And if I'm honest, even at 11 years old, I sat there and went, no one wants to be here. If I'm honest, you know, at 11 I could see that. Um, but then I met Christians that just witnessed to me, man, and it exampled such a goodness of God that I couldn't deny it. And the thing about it was, once you have a revelation, once you experience God, there's no one that can talk you out of it. Like, there's no one that can tell me that God's not real. No one. Well, they can tell me, but they can never, ever convince me. Why? Because I've experienced God's goodness. I know. I know that I know that I know that God is good. So, you know, when, we, when, we, when we're influencing people, you know, we need to play our natural game. You know, I had a guy, Wally Greenwood, who was a mentor of mine. He used to say that to me all the time. Richard, play your natural game. Play your natural game. But then he used to say to me, make sure you know what your natural game is. You know, you've got to know your natural game. If you're, you know, and I'm not saying that God can't work outside of your personality, but he's given you special gifts and strengths for specific purposes and reasons. You know, he wants to use your personality. Hey. There's things in God that he doesn't want to change. There were things that he, he had to change in me, but there were certain things that he went, no, I want to use that. That's why I gave you that. You know, my personality hasn't changed. My humor hasn't changed. Um, my style, my general style of stuff hasn't changed. My character's changed. My behavior's changed. My thoughts have changed. My words have changed. But what God actually gave me and gifted me is the same. 
It stayed the same, you know? And so what I'm trying to say is there's certain things that he's given you. And, you know, when we witness to people, there's no pressure on that. I think sometimes we feel we have, if, if I'm talking to someone, I have to jam God in there somewhere. I have to, I have to get a scripture in there. I have to try and lead them to the Lord. I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to. Hey, you, we don't. We don't have to do everything. You know, because if it's, if it's forced, then it's not your natural game. Hey, you know? And we've seen it. Hey, you know, like someone's coming around, so you, you turn the worship on in the background. Hey, strategically place a Bible on the table. Hey, then they come in and you're, you're sort of like, sort of sitting there and you go, oh, we'll get some cracker and cheese and you bring it out and you go, oh, do you want some cheese? Oh, because I, che- I love cheeses. Oh, I so love cheeses. Hey. Then we start a conversation off. We say, hey, would you like a coffee? Would you like a coffee? Actually, talking about wood, Jesus was a carpenter. Actually, the, the cross that he died on for your sins was made of wood. Hey, you want some sugar? No? You sure? Because it's sweet, sweet like the Holy Spirit. They're too scared to ask for milk. Hey, play our natural game. God's going to create opportunities. God's not only going to create opportunities, he's going to give you a word to fill that opportunity with that is relevant. See, sometimes our minds, we just want to say what we want to say, but God's got a specific word for us. Sometimes we don't need to preach. We don't need to say anything. In the Bible, it says Paul was forbidden to preach in Asia. Holy Spirit said to him, don't go there and preach. Now, what would the obvious thing be? Oh, hang on, God. Preaching's the right amount. You know, that's the right thing. I mean, it's obvious. But it wasn't. God's strategic. God's going to give you the right words to say at the relevant time. And do you know what? Saying nothing might be what he wants at that time. You know what I mean? I shared inside before, you know, before I got saved, I didn't say very much to my brother, Pastor Matt, about it. I talked to him a couple of times specifically. Why? Because I knew what sort of man my brother was. I knew that if I just started hammering him, he was going to go, whatever. We've all seen that face. We've all had that look, eh? Hey, from up there. Um, yeah, 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 he's doing it out. He's doing it out. He's doing it right out. Yeah, it's actually his look, okay? He's actually really happy. His face just doesn't know it yet. Um, <laughs> nah, he is... I mean, amazing, amazing change, amazing change in my brother. I, I think his, his uh, conversion was probably more miraculous than mine, if I'm honest. Um, but, you know, what I'm trying to say is we, we don't need to force things. You know, um, we don't need to feel like there's pressure. The Word of God should never be pressure on you. Sharing the Word should never, ever feel uneasy. It should always be natural if you play your natural game. 1 Peter 3.15, and I love this scripture, says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Okay, so sanctify means to put first and set apart. You know that we've been set apart? We've been sanctified and set apart by the truth that has been revealed to us. That, that, that's a, it's a truth. Okay, so sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in with you with meekness and fear. Now, a lot of people read that because there's one script, uh, version that says, be ready to give a defense, okay? So people think, oh, well, I've got to defend God. I've got to go in there. I've got to have a fight, have an argument with people, and I've got to, you know? But here's the thing. This is the key part of the scripture. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. 
Not, not what you think or your theories or anything like that, but why you have hope in Jesus Christ. That's the big one. You know, we live in a culture of opinion and debate. We really do. We live in a, 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 a world, a culture of self-importance where everyone thinks what they say is so important and, and so right. You know, um, when I look at it in the Bible, Jesus never argued. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen anywhere where he argued. He didn't have to because he rested in his authority. He's the son of God. <laughs> so are we, hey? Sons and daughters of God. We rest in it. See, sometimes when you're... T- have you ever had a conversation with someone and you know all they're trying to do is trip you up and all they want to do is have an argument? And that, there's little fires that start, like a distraction. That is a distraction to get your mind off what God wants you to say in that situation and move over to what you feel like saying. That's the key there. You know, those little fires and those distractions. There's a scripture in the Bible where Jesus has is, is gone to this man and this man says, oh, my son keeps having seizures. And he just he goes on the ground, you know. And, like, and so Jesus, talk, while he's talking to the man, the man's son starts having a seizure and throws himself in the fire. Okay? Do you know what Jesus did? Jesus didn't even look. He went, how long has he been doing that for? That, that was a distraction for Jesus. Because what would we do? Oh, run over to the fire. And I Someone else was sorting the fire. Jesus was there to speak the word. So, so sometimes there's these little distractions that happen, and sometimes when you're talking to people, there's a spirit that's behind people, and it's either of God or it's of the world. And if you identify it when you speak, you know, don't, don't get caught up in those arguments. You've got to remember, when you're talking to someone about this, what you're actually saying is, hey, you know everything that you've believed up till now? <laughs> Spit it on its head, wipe it out, and believe this. It's a big one. It's a big one, you know? So don't get caught up in the distractions. You know, hope is not in the theory or the debate. Hope's not in that. Hope is in our experience and our encounter. That's the hope that we have. You know, I've even had someone say to me, man, you're still at church? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. And they were like, oh, why? And I said, because I love it. And they're like, but they, they know a few things that I've been through. And they go, yeah, but you've been that, that, you know, like, hey. And I said to them, man, whether God does or whether God doesn't, he is. He is God. Whether he does or whether he doesn't, and I said, and there's lots of good. And do you know what? They agreed with me in the end. They said, yeah, I get that. I get that. Because the thing about it is that it rains on the, on the just and the unjust. You know? God just says he'll give us shelter and dry us off when we need. But we can still get wet sometimes. Amen? Amen. So it's all about our experience with God. You know, when people talk to me, I never, ever get into theory. <laughs> None of you look surprised. Um, you know, because I'm not, I'm not really that deep or, or I'm not doing anything like, oh, mind-blowing, but I'm just speaking the Word of God. And I, and, and I always speak about me. I always speak about me. So here's an example. I've got a really good friend of mine. Love the guy a bit, so I've known him for over 10 years. And he has a belief, and we always have little chats about this. Um, but I like chatting with him because it's, it's, it's done respectfully, you know, like we never, ever argue. But his belief is that there is no free will in the world. Okay, so every single thing that you do has already been planned out for you and you don't actually, which is mind-blowing because it's, it's the complete opposite of God. You know, the, the difference between us is free will. That's what, that's what makes us stand out is that God's given us the, the, the freedom to choose and their free will. This guy believes, so I, while I'm talking to him, I said, well, what if, what if while I'm talking to you, like, 
like now, because I walk over here, and he goes, yeah, but that was already worked out that you're going to do. Like, you know what I mean? And it's really, it's quite, well, it's quite crazy until you start seeing, you know, like Jesus walking on water. You know what I mean? Like that might seem a bit odd to people in that. But for him, what, the point I'm trying to get at is he's so far away from believing in God. Okay? So we start chatting, and he goes to me, you know what? He goes, you know I don't believe in God. I went, yeah, well, you say it pretty much every conversation we have, so yeah. And he goes, but I really like you. He goes, I really like you, man. He said, and, I, and I, I've gotten to know you, and I trust you. And he said, you know, mate, so go for it. Convince me. You've got 60 seconds almost. You know, I'm grabbing the whiteboard, and I'm, you know. But he just went 60 seconds. 60 seconds to change someone's whole belief from no free will to God has given us free will. Massive. So what I did was I said to him, well, no, I, 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 don't, think, I don't think I can. I said, I, I think I can share my experience and what God has done for me. And that's what I shared. And I shared with him around what God had done for me. And that, like, don't, hey, he, he didn't ask me, he didn't get saved, he hadn't been saved, I didn't pray for anything. But the, the thing was, I got to share the goodness of God. And I know for a fact I influenced him that day. I know that. And I continue to influence him. What I'm trying to say is, you know, sometimes we get caught up in the debates. You know, it's far bigger than that. You know, you may be called to, to, to play a part in someone's salvation. I've had the, the privilege of coming and being a small part of someone's salvation. I've been a massive part from A to Z, very rarely. Or I've scooped in at the end and got the glory when everyone's done the work and I've led them to the Lord. Hey, you know, but the thing is, we all have a part to play. And, and you know, the people that I led to the Lord, that, that I actually got the honour and privilege to say the, and lead them in the prayer of salvation, there was a whole load of people of influence behind them. Probably a lot of you. Thanks for that. Hey. But this is it. Don't underestimate what we are. You know, we're children of the most living, uh, living, the most high God. You know, like, we, we have that confidence that God is for us, man. Yeah. Hey. And that's it. Now, here's the next bit. Here's the next bit that I want to talk about in that scripture. It says, be ready to give an answer in, it, in that for the reason why you have hope in God, the hope that is in you. And then it says, with meekness and fear. Okay, so it says to speak with meekness and fear. First thing I want to say about that, fear. You ever see the, the word fear being used around God, the fear of God? It's a fear of displeasing him. You know what I mean? It's not fear of he's going to whack us on the head because we know he's a loving God. That fear is reverence. That fear is I don't want to say or do anything that displeases you, God. So it's almost like a humbleness of a, you know, to keep you accountable. The second word, meekness. Do you know I really used to not like that word? I didn't. I don't know if it's because meek sounds like weak, hey, but it made me think of weak and soft. I don't know why. You know, I know Jesus is not soft. You know what I mean? No, Jesus is the man. Jesus is one of the staunchest men ever, ever walked this earth, man, without a doubt. So I looked into meekness, because then it said in Matthew 5, 5, the meek shall inherit the earth. And I was thinking... I don't know why. Every time I would hear that word, meek, it was sort of the same with the bride of Christ. I had to get over that. Being the bride, eh? <laughs> I had to get over that. I had to get my head around that. But it was the same with meekness. And then I just had this word, I, I, I heard this teaching that just 
spun it on its head. Okay? And the guy said, meekness is not weakness. He said, meek is being capable but having restraint. Another, another version well, in, the, in Latin, mm. oh, in Latin, translates, no, yes, it translates to being capable with a sword but keeping it in its sheath. So that changes, for me, that changes that whole scripture because it's not be meek because you have to, be meek because you choose to. How many people do you know running around with a sword, using it, don't know what they're doing? Cutting people to bits. Keep it in its sheath. Stay restrained. Use the word precisely. Hebrew 4.12 says it's, it, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. That shows me that you, you can do damage. I've seen people use the word to do damage. I've seen them twist scriptures to cut people with. You know? And that's because it comes down to a debate and being right and wanting to win rather than wanting to influence and impact through the meekness and gentleness of God. You know, another, another version that says gentleness and respect. Not much gentleness or respect going on these days in debates, eh? You know, you only have to go online, man, and someone will put, I think this. Oh, you're, you're an idiot, you're rubber, you don't think that, da 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 everyone's, everyone's got an opinion these days, and everyone's got a platform to share it. You know, you think about it, back in the day, you had to actually be able to captivate people with stuff and have something about you when you spoke. These days, anyone can jump online and have influence. Have absolutely no credibility whatsoever. None. And yet, put opinions up everywhere. So we've got to be careful. You know, and, and that, that part about being meek, you know, that comes with self-control. You've got to have self-control. Because let's be honest, you don't always want to say the right thing. Well, just me? Um, <laughs> no, you don't always want to say the right thing or do the right thing. Sometimes I've, I've had situations where I know what the right thing to do is, but I don't want to do it. And I have to battle with myself about it. So we've got to have self-control. Proverbs 25, 28 says a city, uh, a man with no self-control is like a city with broken down walls, defenseless. Every single thing that aims at that city hits that city. Why? Because there's no wall to guard it. The wall is our self-control. And trust me, you're going to get tested. You're going to get tested. And when we're not on our game, it makes it even harder. You know, I've been through times in my life, man, where I've had, had some things happen and you know, and it has affected me, you know, and I, and, and I actually had a time years ago where I had a situation that actually made me bitter. It actually started to affect me so much that I would wake up grinding my teeth and I would go to sleep grinding my teeth. Hard to speak in love. <laughs> Hard to speak with love and meekness and respect when you're feeling that way, you know. Um, but I, that was something I had to deal with. You know what I mean? Because I had to realise, man, I'm being impacted and influenced by this negative situation that I know God's got in hand. And I know God's given me authority for that, and I need to rest in that. But you need some self-control, you know? You know, we're called to be people of the Spirit, led and empowered, led and empowered. So that means God will lead you somewhere, and it will empower you with the right words to speak, relevant words. Relevant. There's a difference between speaking words and relevant. Where relevance, you know, something that God will give you for someone in context, absolutely in context, that will fit in their life, and, that, and, res- and then they'll get a revelation from that. Christ being revealed. Yeah. 
God wants us, um, yeah, God wants us to say. He'll give us the right things to say. You know, and we don't have to overthink things a lot of the time. You know, I think, like I said, around the culture of debate, you know, people sometimes just want to be right. You know, and even Christians sometimes, we just, we just want to be right. We just want to walk, walk away going, well, I feel like I won that. I feel like I was on top. But at the end of the day, that's not what it's about. You know, how we say things and why we say things is just as important as what we say. Absolutely how we say it, and why we say it. Our why is the biggest motivator. Our why is because we love Jesus. How we say it is with meekness and kindness. What we say then, that's added to. You know, but that's the important thing for it. So we've got to just be careful of how we say things, you know, and how we frame things. It's, e- it's, easy, it's easy to spin things on its head and, and sort of, instead of coming down with a hammer, sort of come from the side a little bit. You know, um, although God might have given you that hammer style and it might, it might be a gift of yours. I know a few hammers. My wife's a hammer. <laughs> She's a hammer, gifted as a hammer, ain't it? You know, but people seem to receive from her because that's her, a bit of a gift for her, you know. Can you get rid of that on the recording, James? Yeah, thank you. Um, yes, you did. Too. Oh, don't worry, mate. People text her. I get home and I, I get home and I hear all about it, guys. Um, Colossians 3:23, and whatever you do, do it heartily. I love that word. Do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. You know, whatever you do, man, we're doing it for God. We're not looking for man's approval, convincing him, getting him to agree with us. We're speaking the word of God so he gets a revelation and, and, and that need and desire for God gets revealed. Better finish the scripture. Yeah. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ, not man. Whatever we do, everything we do, we do for God. Everything. And if you do that, if you apply that, everything I do, I do unto the Lord, it makes it so much easier. Because then you do it in God's power, under God's grace, God's mercy. You see things differently. Because let's be honest, it's hard to, it's hard to love this world sometimes, man. There's, there's people out there that will challenge your ability to love. Hey, absolutely. I won't name any, but I know a few. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not about the approval of men and walking away going, yeah, I convinced him and I think I won that and I was right. Sometimes I don't even say anything and I know God's influenced people. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 says, you can have everything in the world. You can prophesy. You can be the man. You can, you can have everything going. But if you don't have love, it actually says it's like a clanging symbol. It's like a clanging symbol to the people you're speaking to, but it's like a clanging symbol to God. So we could be standing there speaking, thinking we're thinking, it's bang, 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 bang. Because there's no love in it. Got to remember, man, love. God loved me. God loves me so much that he sent his son to die for me. Hey. But by the grace of God, there goes me. Every time I see a homeless person, every time I see someone addicted, every time I see anything, I think, man, that could be me. You know, I, I dread to think where I'd be without God. I really do. I really do. You know, it's, yeah. Well, here's an example. I was with these homeless people this week, okay, on Thursday in town, and there was a guy playing the guitar jamming away, jamming away, and he was pretty good. So I thought, I'll sit down. There was a few people there, and I went and sat down on the corner. Didn't realize there was all these homeless guys, and they all had their drinks. 
their Cody's and that. And they're drinking them. And I was like, hey, mate, how's it going? I said, oh, you've got a live concert going on. He goes, yeah, it's pretty cool, eh? You're like, you know, the sun's out and, and the, the, they're by the bucket fountain, you know, and the guy's jamming in there. And then he's like, oh, do you want to drink, mate? Do you want a can? I was like, oh, no, 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 I'm all right, fella, I'm all right, fella. But here's the thing. I don't have to say anything about him to God or anything like that. I didn't, you know, like, I didn't feel like anything. There wasn't an opportunity. I just, I just chatted with him. See you later, fella. Who knows, though? I might get an opportunity next week. Hey, I'm down by the fountain. You know, but the thing is, what I'm trying to get at is sometimes you just have to be nice to people. Hey, without any agenda, without any reason. Just love on the man, and that emanates from you. You know, when we walk around, it's almost like our spirit's out here. And we, and, and we, we come into contact with people, bang into people with it, with our spirit. All right, back on track, sorry, guys. Oh, John 13, 35, okay, basically talks about how the world will know us by the love we have for one another. Hey. The love we have for one another. Now, I can tell you right now, I love you, yeah, most of you. Um, nah, nah, nah. I, I love everyone in this church, you know. So, hey, and there's a difference between loving and liking. You don't have to like everyone, <laughs> hey. You know, but you have to love everyone. You know, um, I remember when I first got married, we got, we got married. My wife and I were actually the first couple to get married in this new, this building, eh, in this church, and that, and um, I remember when I got married, we had to fill out this, this marriage license and I took it and it had denomination of your church. And I was like, oh, cool, I'll get to find out what denomination we are. You know, because I was here for about a year, I didn't even think, well, I didn't know about denominations, but it sort of come up because people kept asking me, what denomination is your church? And I go, I don't know. It's a God one, though. It's in the God. Um, but here's the thing. <clears throat> Pastor Don was filling out the, the form and I'm like, Oh, yeah. got to denomination, he put a big line through it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. I was like, oh. And then I hit him up and said, oh, you put a line through denomination? He goes, yeah. He goes, no, no, we're word of faith. He said, but, he said, I don't choose a denomination. He said, because the moment you say you're denomination, everyone looks at what you don't agree with. Oh, you're Anglican, you don't believe in tongues. Oh, you're Baptist, you don't believe in this. And, and you start looking at your differences rather than what you've got in common. So, so what I'm saying there is that the church is good, but the church needs to get better at loving itself. Eh? It needs to get better at loving itself and understanding that there's a reason. Don't get caught up in the theory. and the, You know, unless it's really, really doctrine that's dangerous. You know, unless it's doctrine that's really dangerous where they don't believe Jesus is the son of God or something like that. But other than that, man, it's easier to find places that you agree on than the small parts that you disagree on. You know, and that's a unity you know, that's the unity that God's needing amongst the churches. I want every church in this area to prosper. I want every single church in this area to grow. I want it to be strong. You know, I want it, because, why? Because the more of us that are influencing, the better. I got some advice when I first joined the church um, from a really good friend of mine. Uh, the first thing he said to me was, he goes, if you find the perfect church, he said, don't join it because you'll ruin it, okay? So what he's trying to say there is there is no perfect church. And he said, the second thing he said, which I couldn't quite understand at the time, he said, if you haven't been offended in the church, you haven't been in it long enough. Hey, and I used to think, what's that all about? And then I came to church and met you and went, oh, okay. I see. Yeah, I see what you mean. Nah. He, what, what they're saying, though, is people, we're people, man. We're people. There's always going to be stuff that we don't agree on. But here's the thing about it. None of us can be better, bigger than the cause. None of us. 
doesn't matter whether you're up here preaching, whether you're the worship leader, whether you're the pastor, you're not bigger than, than, than the church, than what God's doing. The moment we think we're bigger and that everything should revolve around us and we should have all the say, then, then you're going to end up in trouble, you know? I remember when I first came on the leadership team, one thing I said was, we were talking, I said, I, I like this because we all were confident enough to put all of our input in the middle and then come up with, the, with what the right way to go and then all get behind it. Not me go, oh, I think we should do this. Everyone else says no, and I go, oh, well, I'm not doing that. I'm not bigger than the courts. I'm not bigger than the courts, man. If that's the way we're doing it, Pastor, then that's the way we're doing it. And if it's something that's a deal breaker, then you go and talk. But at the end of the day, nothing should be that big. Hey. Yeah. Oh. oh. Um, what else is there? Oh, we've got to make stuff up now. I'm running out. Nah. Um, nah, we're almost there. Actually, are we? Yeah, we are. Okay. Ephesians 2.10. It says that, that we're God's workmanship and that he has predestined works for us to walk into. God had this here for me before I was saved. He predestined for me to be preaching. He, he, like I said, it, it seemed like the most unlikely thing because I, never, I didn't even talk in public. But God had predestined. This was a work that God had predestined for me that I walked into because why? Because I took the opportunities that led here. I didn't just jump up here and start speaking and preaching. I took the opportunities that were in front of me. See, the thing about it is God will create opportunities, but it's up to us how we fill it. It's up to us what that looks like. I'm going to finish off with a story. Um, I'd been, I got saved in 96, 1996, and uh, one of the, my really good mates that led me to the Lord, who was a staunch Christian and an amazing example of a man, and um, he, he's passed away now, but I love that man so much. And without him, we... Pastor Matt and I probably, you know, we might not be here. I know God would have had a plan for us, but this man was the perfect man that was sent. Yeah. Selfless, non-judgmental, full of grace, full of love and mercy, full of positivity. Nothing was too much. Um, just an amazing man. And he was the prisoner's aid and rehabilitation officer, the PARS officer. And when I got out of prison, um, the last time I, I was starting to sort of try and find my way, he gave me a job. And so I started having a lot to do with him. And uh, he said to me, Rich, he goes, I think you'd be awesome coming and speaking in the prisons. Like I'd only been saved like about nine months, uh, eight, 12 months. And he goes, no, I reckon you'd be awesome. Come up and speak. To, he worked with a pre-release group. So what that meant was in the next three months they were getting out and so they were transitioning in them. So he brought me in to talk about transfer of skills, skills that you could translate from the criminal scene into, you know, into business, you know, like selling, um, adding up, uh, you know, things like that. So, so I went in there. Well, anyway, he said, oh, you've got to fill out this form. And so I get this form and it had, they wanted to know if you had previous convictions okay and that asked do you have any previous convictions if so what were they and what punishment did you get and then they put a little box like that um i got a lot more than that little box so so what i did was i put in for 
have you had any previous convictions? I put numerous. And then for what punishment I got, I put various. Okay? And I faxed it through. And um, the, the corrections ring me, and they get hold of me, and they said, oh, hey, look, you know, we believe you're wanting to go into the, the prison and speak. I said, yeah, yeah. He goes, look, I just wanted to talk to you about something. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I said, look, mate, uh, the convictions, I said, look, mate, I've, I, I'm not proud of this, but I've got a lot. And I said, and I just didn't want to fill it all out. And, you know, I don't even know them, if I'm honest, you know. And um, he goes, oh, oh, nah. Nah, he wasn't even worried about that. He goes, oh, no, 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 it just says that you're a Christian. And that's what he, he's a little bit worried about it. And he goes, oh, just letting you know, I'll have to sit in with you the first time you speak. So I was like, okay. So the first time I go and speak, I speak. And then he heard that I wasn't saying anything radical, like, you know, trying to incite riots in the prison or anything like that. So the second time I went up there, I got to speak on my own. So I walk in on the second time. And um, there's this fella there. There's a, there's a group of about 15 men. And there's one guy there. As soon as I walk in, man, he's got shades on. His face is fully covered in tattoos. And he's just sitting there like this. And everyone else is sort of happy and, you know, chanting, hey, bro, how's it going? You know? Oh, and the funny thing about it is that you wear civilian clothes in there now. They don't have prison uniforms in the units. And so I actually saw a mate of mine that I was in, actually in, used to be in jail with, and we're chatting away, chatting away. And then after about a little while, he goes, oh, so how long are you back in for? And I was like, oh, probably about 45 minutes. <laughs> but you know, the cool part was God had, God had showed me how much God had changed me. Well, anyway, this guy, I start speaking. Now, the reason why I was there was to speak about God. Oh, because they, they didn't want me talking about God. And I said, well, that's, man, that's, that's a major part of my, my talk, you know. I, I can't really exclude God. So they said that was all right. And that's why that guy wanted to listen in. But the second time I'm sitting there and the guy with the tattoos, so I start speaking. And I'm having a ball up there, you know. And I'm, hey guys, can you hear that? This guy, not having a bar of it. Not funny. You're not funny. Just sat there, man, just glaring at me. And then all of a sudden, I got to this bit where I mentioned God. And I said, look guys, I'm not here to preach, but I can't leave this bit out because it's so intricate with my whole story. And I mentioned God. He goes, oh. hey, catastrophizes in front of everyone. And I looked over and I saw him and I thought, okay, meekness, meekness and respect. I'll just, I'll ignore it. And then um, he did it again, did it a second time. And I felt God say to me, nah, like, don't let that, don't let that go. I don't know if it was all the tattoos on his face or the years of prison he'd done, but I felt he deserved more grace. <laughs> so I was like, no, Lord, I'll give him some more grace. The third time he did it, third time he did it, I stopped. I actually stopped and said, sorry, bro, what was that? And he goes, nothing, nothing. You know, and, and, and I thought, well, do I let him? And I went, no, 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 bro, it was definitely something. I said, the three times I've been talking and you've interrupted, bro. Like, is he, what, what's going on? And he goes, oh. And he hadn't moved. The shades were still on. He's still on. And he goes, oh, you Christians, eh? You Christians, you always want something. See, sometimes people think we have a, another agenda because we force the word too much. You know what I mean? Like, and he's obviously had a bad experience with someone, you know? And so I said to him, okay. Um, I said, well, bro, tell me what I, what I want from you now. Well, let me, tell me what you've got right now that I want. I said, bro, you haven't even been giving me your attention. 
and I don't care. I just don't want to be disrupted. Whole room goes, oh, <laughs> you know, I'm like, no, <laughs> stop it. Um, and then I went, so are we, are we all right, bro? I said, look, if you want, bro, you can go and sit out on the, on the veranda and have a cigarette and wait till we're finished, bro. You know? And he goes, oh, no, no, I'm all right. So then I carried on, and I got to the end of the, the, the talk. And you're meant to ask questions, do Q&A, you know, but I don't know if you've ever done Q&A in prison. It doesn't go over that well, eh? Um, it's like pulling teeth. So what I said was, I said to them, look, if anyone wants to talk to me afterwards or got any questions, I'm going to stick around and have a coffee and we'll have a chat, okay? Yeah, cool. Breaks up. We're having a coffee and everyone's around. Everyone's chatting to me and it's so funny. People are coming up to me. Oh, yeah, my auntie's in church. Oh, my nana prays for me. You know, everyone's sort of trying to connect. And I'm sort of, oh, that's cool. And out of the corner of my eye, I could see this guy. He hasn't moved. So he's just sat there in his chair like this, just staring. Chatting away, chatting away, you know. <laughs> Every now and then, you know, looking at my shoulder and that. And he had not moved. And everyone started leaving. And he was the last one there. And there was one guy there. And I just said, I'll oh, see you later. Okay, everybody, see you later. And I turned around, and that guy's right there. Hey. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, oh, hey. And he's right there, and I'm looking at him. I went, oh, hey, bro. He goes, hey, bro. And then it just went quiet for a while, and I, I knew not to say anything. I don't know why. I just felt, don't say anything. Let him be the first one to speak. And then he just goes, you know, this guy rugged as, tough as, and I just watched his whole demeanor just drop, and he just went, he goes to me, bro, I've got nothing against you. And he wouldn't even look at me. He just looked down. And I went, oh, bro, I've got nothing against you, bro. I said, I just, you know, like, I just wanted to, to, to get my talk across. And then he goes to me, you know, bro, I've got nothing against you. It's just, it's just. And he started sharing, man. He started sharing about his experience of God, the experience that he had had through the impact and influence that people had put on him that was bad. And you could see the pain behind that man's face. You could see the pain behind all those tattoos. You could see the pain behind all that staunchness. And what it was was that he got, his, his, his mum left when he was very young, his dad died, and he got put into state care. And he got put into a, some, well, Christian family that just were terrible to him. He got beaten, he got abused, um, horrible stuff. So no wonder, no wonder, you know, and I could have on the surface of things just judged him, you know, and just gone, ugh, you know, and been in that. But there's always a reason in a story, you know. We're not, it's not people we're battling with, it's powers and principalities. So, you know, I never led that man to the Lord. But I talked about God and I prayed for him and I know that I know that I know, because I asked him, but he said no. But I know that I know that I've, I've had an influence on that man and that I have played a part and that's my part. That was my part, you know. And the thing about it is that, you know, t- to be able to do this, we've got to love, we've got to have some self-control, we've got to be meek, and we can't judge. You know, we, we, we cannot judge, man. You know, it says, you know, judge not lest you be judged. You know, and it's easy to be critical of sins that we don't struggle with. If we don't struggle with a sin, it's easy to be critical of it. If we struggle with that sin, we're a little bit more understanding, <laughs> a little bit more empathetic about that. Sin, sin, you know, we all get affected by it. There was two ladies, and they both joined the church at the same time. Both of them, 20 years later, they're both at church and one lady goes outside. She's standing with a friend. The other lady goes outside. She starts having a smoke. And the Christian over here goes, oh, look at that lady, 20 years in church, still smoking. 
The other lady turned around to her and said, yeah, look at you, 20 years in church, still judging. Hey. I used to smoke. I smoked cigarettes, I'd give them up. And, you know, it was funny because I went to my friend, this Christian man, I felt really bad about it, and I said, oh, man, I'm still smoking, you know? And he goes, oh, don't be too hard on yourself. You've given up heroin, <laughs> you know? Um, but he actually said something to me that was quite funny because, you know, as a Christian, he could have gone, you know what, Richard, that's not good for your body, body is a temple, and that's all true. But he turned around and he said this to me. He goes, well, Rich, you don't go to hell for smoking cigarettes. You just smell like you've been there. And... And you know what I mean? No judgment, no nothing. And sure enough, a few years later, I ended up giving up cigarettes. I shared in the morning service about that. Our job's not to point out sin. Our job's not to judge. Our job is to speak hope. And it's to, to reveal to people the need for Jesus Christ. We've all been there. You know? We're not perfect. We struggle. And sometimes we have such high expectations on non-believers in the world when, when we find it hard as believers, you know. So what I'm trying to say here is that truth is revealed. You know, John 17, 17 says that your word is truth and you reveal truth. God's revealing it. So really our job is to be ourselves. Enjoy God. Love the word. Look for opportunities. Look for that influence. Hey. And then fill it. So, impact and influence. Speak with meekness and a fear of displeasing God, saying what God doesn't want you to say. Have some self-control. Apply love. And judge not. And the last thing that we need to put in is some wisdom. Wisdom is not just knowing, it's applying what you know. Living what you know. That's wisdom is applied knowledge and let the truth be revealed. Amen? Father God, Lord, I give you thanks and praise that you're an awesome God, Lord. Man, I thank you, Father God, Lord, for what you've done in my life. Lord, I thank you, Father God, Lord, that you're more than enough, Father God, Lord. I thank you, Father God, Lord, no matter how I feel, Father God, Lord, I'm victorious. No matter what circumstance I'm going through, Father God, Lord, I'm a winner, Father God. I'm a head, Lord God. Lord, I thank you, Father God, Lord, that you are for me, Father God. And if you're for us, who can be against us, Father? But I thank you that you have given us a heart for the lost, Father God. You have given us a heart, Lord, your heart, Father God, for people, Father. And I thank you, Lord God, for the people here and the influence, the impact and influence, Lord God, that you've, that you've put on their lives, Father God. I thank you for wisdom, Lord God that you give them the right words to say at the right time, Lord. You, 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 when, when we speak your words, Lord God, it comes with life and light and revelation, Father God, Lord. I thank you that we're not speaking to the natural, Lord God. We're not looking for man's approval. We're speaking to the Spirit, Lord God. We're giving you access, Lord God, to every situation we come into, Father God, Lord, and we influence and impact, Father God, Lord, for you. So right now, Father God, Lord, we lift your name up and we give you all the honor and all the glory and all the praise, Father God, Lord. And your will shall be done, Father God, Lord. You're unfolding your plan, Lord God. You've already begun and you're working, Lord God, in us and through us, Father. And we give you thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen.